Um, I have nothing specifically planned or prepared. We're simply going to trust in the Lord and we're going to trust in the spirit of God to inspire us as we engage in the reading of his word. Uh, Most importantly, I want to see every believer read through the totality of the scripture because I believe that through reading scripture, the Lord can empower you. God speaks through the reading of scripture and it's through the reading of the Bible that we are shaped, we are formed, that we are built up. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to read the scriptures together. Um, We're going to read for about 20 to 30 minutes. That's the reading part. And then we call it the read and rant because I'm going to also rant. (laughs) I call it a rant because I have nothing prepared other than just to go where the Lord leads as we meditate on the scripture. Um, And so I will rant probably for another 30 minutes, okay? Uh, Just to share where the Lord is leading. And I'm asking three questions today. The three questions that I'm asking is, I'm asking God, what is he revealing concerning himself? Like, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question that I'm asking is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? It's the second question. And the third question that I'm asking is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? Those are the three questions that we're going to ask. And then we're going to go as the Lord leads us in this time together as we engage in his word. Um, let me plug this in just to make sure it doesn't die. Um, and so go ahead, guys, get yourselves situated. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter seven. And I'm going to pray these words and then we're going to get right in. Father, I ask today that you would speak to us, Father. I ask that you would um, Lord, reveal the truth of the person of who you are to us today as we engage in your scripture. Bless us today. Bless us in this time, Lord. We submit ourselves to you. We open our hearts to you, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, as we engage in your word, bless us, Father. And bless each and every person who's here, Father. I pray for those who are here, Lord, who are simply looking to be built up in their faith and in their understanding of the word, Father. Uh, We ask so that you would edify them for those who've come, Lord, that um, they've come to simply get clarity. Um, I pray that you would give that to them. There are those here, Father, who may not even uh, believe in you, but are here and are just wondering what this is all about. I pray that you would um, give clarity in this time, Lord, that you would speak through this time. Father, I just pray that you would um, lead, uh, lead us all, Lord, in your word pray that your spirit would breathe through it, Father. More importantly, Lord, I ask that, Lord, we would not discover just ideas, but that we would discover the person. That we not just discover ideas, but that we would discover your heart. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to to Deuteronomy chapter 7. So we've read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. We've read Numbers. And now we're reading Deuteronomy. So we're reading through the entire Bible. And so uh, stick with me here as we engage in his word. It says this in Deuteronomy 7 verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and casts out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son, 
for they will for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods so to, so the anger of the lord will be aroused against you suddenly but thus you shall deal with them you shall destroy their altars break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images burn their carved images with fire for you are a holy people to the lord your god the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor chose you because you were more in number. <clears throat> the Lord did not love you, nor did he choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for thousands of generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land and your grain and your new wine and, and your oil, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock in the land <clears throat> of which he swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from all you from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. Also, you shall destroy all the peoples whom the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eye shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you remember well what the Lord God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Mm. The great trials of your eyes saw the eyes and wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left, who hide themselves from you, are destroyed. You shall not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them out, will deliver them over to you and will afflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. And he will deliver their kings into your hand, and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you 
until you have destroyed them. You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Oops. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know that to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that a man shall not live by bread alone, but a man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your garments didn't, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, a fountain and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. A man, uh, sorry, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, you shall be blessed, sorry, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. When your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through great and terrible, who led you through the, that great and terrible wilderness, in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the, in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand gain me this wealth. Wow. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, 
I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. Hmm. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of your God. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today and go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the descendants of Anakim, whom you know and whom are and whom you heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak? Therefore, understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you. So you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. Hmm. Do not think in your heart, after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me to possess this land. But because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. It's not because of your righteousness or, uh, or your uprightness of heart that you go in to possess their land. But because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out before you. And that they may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are a stiff-necked people. Remember, do not forget how provoked the Lord your God. Sorry. Uh, verse 7. Remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. For the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. Also in Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath, so that the Lord was angry enough with you to have destroyed you. When I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. Then the Lord delivered to me two tablets of stone written with the finger of God. And on them were the words which the Lord had spoken to you in the mountain on the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days and 40 nights that the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord said to me, arise, go down quickly from here. For your people whom you brought out of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They made themselves a molded image. Furthermore, the Lord spoke to me saying, I have seen this people. And indeed, they are a stiff-necked people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. Now make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. So I turned and came down from the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire, and the two tablets of stone. Sorry, mountain burned with fire, and the two tablets of, oh, I lost, I lost track. I'll go to verse 17. Then I took the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord, as at the first forty days and forty nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of your sin, 
which you committed in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure with which the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron and would have destroyed him. So I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. And I took your sin, the calf which you had made, burned it with fire and crushed it in the ground and ground it very small until it was fine as dust. And I threw the dust into the brook that descended from the mountain. Also at Teberah and Massa and Kibroth and Hatapha, you provoked the Lord to wrath. Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, go up and possess the land which I have given you. Then you rebelled against the commandments of the Lord your God, and you did not believe him nor obey his voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. Thus, I prostrated myself before the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. I kept prostrating myself because the Lord had said he would destroy you. Therefore, I prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord God, do not destroy your people and your inheritance, whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not look on the stubbornness of this people or on the wickedness of their sin, lest the land from which you brought us should say, because the Lord was not able to bring them out to the land which he promised them because he hated them. He brought them out to kill them in the wilderness. Yet they are your people and your inheritance and you brought them out by your mighty power and by your outstretched arm. Last chapter for for today. Deuteronomy chapter 10. At the same time, the Lord said to me, hew for yourselves two tablets of stone like the first and come up to me on the mountain and make yourself an ark of wood and I'll write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke and you shall put them in the ark you shall so so I made an ark of acacia wood hewn so I hewed two tablets of stone like the first and went up to the mountain having the two tablets in my hand and he wrote on the tablets according to the first writing the ten commandments which the Lord had spoken to you in the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly And the Lord gave them to me. Then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark which I had made. And there they are, just as the Lord commanded me. Now, the children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Bene-Jakan to Moserah, where Aaron died, and where he was buried, and Eliezer, his son, ministered as priest in his stead. From there, they journeyed to Gudgada, and from Gudgada to Jathbatha, a land of the rivers of water. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised him Hmm. as at the first time I stayed in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights and the Lord heard me at that time and the Lord chose not to destroy you and the Lord said to me arise begin your journey before the people that they may go in and possess the land which the fathers 
land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command you today for your good? Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God. Also the earth with all that is in it. The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them. You above all peoples as it is this day, therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Well, you shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in the multitude. The word of God. There is so much to unpack here. Um, if I could be honest with you, it comes to a it, it comes to a point where you're you're almost frustrated because of the limited time that you have. Um, to engage in his word because there's so much here. There's so much to unpack and yet there's so much that we have already unpacked from what we've been reading to this point. And if you guys have been paying attention to anything that I've said up to this point and anything that I've shared with you up to this point, you would actually see this last verse that we just read here in Deuteronomy 10.22 as a culmination of things as a culmination, as a, uh, as a climax to, um, sorry, so I'm freezing. Uh, I think I'm good as a climax to what we've been reading up to this point. One thing that I hope that you're noticing as you've been reading through Deuteronomy with me, I hope that you notice. Thanks, Bran. Good. Thanks for the gift. As you notice, Deuteronomy is, in a lot of ways, a summary of the books that we've read before it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Um, it's a summary. Deuteronomy is a summary. 
And I hope you guys see the picture that's being painted here as we read this. This is Moses who is sharing the the story of what has transpired up to this point. Moses is the elder. He is the leader. um, And he's now sharing with them everything that has happened, everything that we've read up to this point. So just picture for a moment, Moses standing before a multitude of people, the next generation of people. And he's sharing with them the story of the people up to this point. He needs to give them the story because he wants to make sure that they understand how they got here. And he wants them to understand what they need to do moving forward. He needs to help them in encouraging them to accomplish what they ought to do on the backdrop of what has already transpired. Meaning what has happened is going to motivate why they do or why they ought to live the way that now the book of Deuteronomy is going to reiterate to them. This is all to say this, Moses is literally, if I were just to back down and and simplify this for you, Moses is literally saying, this is where we've come from. This is how we got here. And this is what you need to do to get to where God has promised our people would go. We've been talking about uh, the Old Testament. We've been talking about Genesis. We've been talking about Exodus. We've been talking about Leviticus numbers and now we're in Deuteronomy and I've said this and I'm going to say it over and over again that this is a story of a people ancient Israel okay this is not a book written to Christians this was actually written long before Christians existed I know it makes some people uncomfortable but it's important that we read within that context this is not a book that's written to Christians, meaning these things that we're reading when you see you and he's saying you and he's saying the Lord has done for you. And when he says all of these things, okay, that the Lord has done for you, he's not talking to you. Okay. Specifically, we have to first see it that way. He's talking to a people. This is a story of ancient Israel and we have to read it that way. Because if we don't read it that way, we're going to miss out on the profound spiritual truth that comes from it. So therefore, it's not written to you. It's written for you. Okay. It's not written to you. So now we see Moses and Moses is telling them the whole story of what has transpired. And now he's telling them that they need to pick up this mantle because there's a promise that was given to them. In Deuteronomy 10, verse 22, he says, your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons. He's talking about Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, who had 12 sons. And those 12 sons had children with their wives. And so those in total, those 12 sons, along with their children and their wives, were 70 people who went to Egypt. That's how Genesis ends. Exodus opens with them centuries later 
being a multitude of people, a nation of people. And he's saying, your fathers went down to Egypt. Look at verse 22. We're going to stick with this verse for a second. Your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons. And now the Lord has made you as the stars of heaven in a multitude. Again, what is Moses doing there? He's pointing them back to the promise that was made to Abraham. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel had the 12 sons. Those 12 sons became 70. And those 70 became a nation of people. And now he's reminding them that this nation now has multiplied into the nation that they see today. Are y'all catching this? Do you guys see this? That this is a culmination of what we've been reading all the way up to this point. And we see this in this verse. Moses is reminding them of their story, reminding them. I'm going to take a quick screenshot of this. I'll come back to you about that. I know some people have been requesting to become moderators. That's something that we're going to need more of um, as as it continues to grow. Um, I know it's been a couple months since we've done it, but now it's 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 significantly growing. And so I want to make sure that we we moderate well because there's like there's 290 of you on TikTok right now. So I want to make sure that we 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 keep things in line. So therefore, what you need to see is that you're reading a story about a people. Okay? You're reading a story about a people. This is not a book that was written to you to follow rules, but a book to reveal to you the very heart and the character of God. I'll screenshot that as well. Anybody who's interested in becoming... Actually, at the end of this, I'm going to ask whoever's interested in becoming a moderator, you can put up your hands and then I'll screenshot it and then I'll work through it and make some decisions um, moving forward. Um, so, so therefore, this here, and I'm going to get to the whole point of this, is there's a story here that God is, is enacting for all of humanity. This is a story, family. Okay, I can't emphasize this enough. This is a story about a people who are revealing the heart and the character of God. This is a story about a people who are revealing the heart and the character of God. Are you with me here? And the revealing of the heart and the character of God, it's being revealed through God's interaction with these people. Are you with me so far? So therefore, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, all those laws, they're not laws that we we sit there, we go, do I follow this law? Which one should I do? Which one should I not do? Which one should I obey? Which one should I not obey? We That's not how we read the Bible. And if anybody ever gives you verses in this scripture to tell you these are the things you need to do to be a good Christian, or these are the things you need to do to be saved, they're missing the whole story of the Bible. They're missing the whole point of the Bible. That's not the point. <laughs> That's not the point. The Bible was not intended for that. That's not the point. The Bible was intended to reveal the heart and the character of God. My brother, of course you can't prove the Bible with the Bible. That's why it's faith. There's no proof. As a matter of fact, if it faith is the proof. Okay? So if you don't have faith, the Bible is purposeless. The Bible, if you're just simply reading the Bible 
to get information, then you're reading the wrong book. There's better books than the Bible for information. Okay. There are better books. The Bible wasn't intended for that. Okay. Science can explain what and how, but science cannot explain who and why. The purpose of the scriptures explain the who and the why. The other explains the what and the how. God initiates it. We, we watch it. And as it's being dramatized, we study it and we use methodologies to try to understand how the world works and why it works that way. But that's not the purpose of the Bible. So if you try to put the Bible within that category, you're already using the Bible for the wrong thing. The Bible is actually meant to undergird your faith. So if you don't have faith, the Bible is of no use. And if you don't have the spirit of God breathing through you to understand what the word is saying, then the Bible is of no use. I just want to make sure I emphasize that and I iterate that because some people are trying to read the Bible for proof and yet you need the spirit to breathe through you to understand it. So really all I'm here to do is I'm here to explain to you what this is actually saying. Because for many people, when they read the word, they read the word but they read it with the wrong posture. So I'm trying to get you in the right position, trying to have you read the word the way it ought to be read. This is a word that is, this is a story, okay, of of ancient Israel. And what Moses has done up to this point, what we're reading here is Moses speaking to the congregation of Israel. Okay. And in verse 12, at the beginning of that chapter, he says, and now Israel, What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Up to this point, we've been seeing all these laws. God has given these people these laws. Are you with me? He's given these people these laws, and the purpose of these laws was in order to set them apart from the rest of the world, to set them apart from other people, to make them peculiar. The word that, that the, the word, uh, the, the operable word there is holy. He says, be holy for I am holy. Holiness, and I'll say this again, is not being perfect in the way that we think of perfection or purity. Holiness is the very character of God. There's no nothing like God. Because there's nothing like God, God is holy. He is he is fundamentally and profoundly separate of anything else that exists. And so when he says be holy, he's telling them to be different, to be so different from everyone else because the way that I rule and the way that I judge, the way that I determine what 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 transpires in this world is my holiness. And so you are going to act that out and you're going to dramatize it by following this law that I've given because this law is revealing my heart. The law of God is simply revealing the heart and the character of God. The law of heart is simply revealing who God is and how he wants us to interact with one another and how we ought to interact with him but it doesn't speak into what we need to do to go to heaven or hell. Are y'all with me here? This is not a law and it hasn't been. I'm going to rant for a little bit. Let me just rant for a little bit here. Has anyone seen yet, as you've been reading this, the things that must be done to go to heaven? Has anybody read that yet? 
I love reading the Bible from the beginning. Has anybody read yet where it says, these are the things in order to go to heaven? Or has anybody read that these are the things in order to go to hell? Does anybody see that? Does, does, do, do, does anyone see, has anyone read that? For those of you who've been reading with me for the last um, two or three weeks, that we've been reading through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Has anyone seen heaven or hell anywhere in here yet? You see, here's the thing is for many of us, we've created this idea of heaven and hell that, that isn't even articulated here in the scriptures. Not, not to this point. You're not going to hear about it. <laughs> I know it's going to make people sound, make people really uncomfortable, but here's the point. The point is this family. God's plan was not to pull you out of the earth and take you to heaven. God's mission was very much earthly. God's mission was not to pull you out of this ugly world and to bring you into this euphoric reality. This, you know, thing that's called heaven. God's mission was to restore the earth. God's mission from the beginning. You're noticing, I hope you notice this, in the narrative of the scripture, God has been about what's happening here, not taking us out of what's happening here. God has been all about restoring what's happening here. As a matter of fact, when he began all things, he told Adam, what did he tell Adam? He said, fill the earth, subdue it. God cares about the earth. <laughs> God cares about the world. And yet from the beginning, God's business was to restore the earth. Everything that is bad, everything that is evil, everything that is not good on this earth is a result of our disobedience to God. Everything, everything. And when, I, and when, when people think of sin or disobedience, they think it's do not lie, do not cheat, do not. No, sin is literally to do what is opposite to the will of God. Can I say something real quick? And this is going to get real weird for a second, but sin can be good things. You can actually do good things in sin doing them. You can sin feeding the poor. You can sin praying. You can sin doing good works. Oh, it's getting real uncomfortable now. The word sin means to fall short. Has anybody seen that yet? Anybody seen seen that yet? I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm gonna read that later on down the line. The word sin literally means to fall short. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when we try to bring our cultural way of thinking about the law into the scriptures. We miss what the Bible is actually saying. You can actually do good things in sin. Why? Because as long as what you're choosing to do is, is a, as long as you're choosing your agenda over God's, you're sinning. So you can actually get married to a good Christian man, but if it's outside of God's will, it's sin. Are y'all catching that? You can feed the poor in sin doing it. How? By glorifying yourself. You can be building up your own name by helping other people. And yet helping other people is not a bad thing. And yet it is still sin. Sin is literally 
to go against God's agenda. Sin is literally to go against Yahweh's agenda. That's what sin is. So up to this point, are you seeing anything here about a law? If the law brought you to heaven, if following the law brought you to heaven, then Abraham couldn't go to heaven because there was no law during Abraham's time. And if disobeying the law put you in hell, then what do you have to say about, you know, Cain and Abel? And what do you have to say about Noah? Noah existed before the law. Did y'all catch that? Noah existed before the law. Abraham existed before the law. The law was never intended for bringing people to heaven or hell. Did, did y'all catch that? So why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because I want you to understand that the law that, we, that we've been reading now from Exodus to Leviticus to Numbers and to Deuteronomy, that law was meant to inform a people on how to live in a way that would reveal the very heart and the character of God. And that's why the law wasn't for you. And that's why the law wasn't, wasn't intended to send you to heaven. As a matter of fact, what the scriptures are showing us is how they failed to accomplish it. Here's the proof. God chose these people based off of the promise of Abraham. Abraham was considered righteous, not because of his ability to follow the law. Abraham was considered righteous because he believed God. It was his faith in God that made him righteous. It wasn't anything else. It was his obedience to the will of God. Y'all hear that? It was his obedience to the will of God. Now, I want you to look at something real quick. We read now in Deuteronomy 8, Moses has been giving us this, this sermon. And in Deuteronomy 8, he says to them, every commandment which I command you today, verse 1, must be, you must be careful to observe and that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. God is carving out a piece of land, telling them you're going to go in this land and the way you're going to govern in this land is by my righteousness and by my mercy. Righteousness, I want to make sure you guys understand this. Righteousness, the word righteous is literally justice. Righteousness is justice. Hmm. So when we put righteousness, we usually attribute righteousness to purity. We attribute righteousness to, uh, you know, living good lives and doing good things. The word righteousness in this scripture literally means justice. So when we say that God is a righteous God or that he's a righteous judge is that he judges by his righteousness. By what? What he determines as right and wrong. Meaning the way God rules is based off of his terms. You know, we have all these things where we go, man, we're seeking justice and we want justice. You know, no justice, no peace. We want justice. We want justice. And yet we have determined what our justice is, not realizing that our justice is injustice. Because if our justice doesn't meet to the righteousness of God, then it's not justice. It's injustice. 
it may seem good. Man does what is right in his own eyes and, and it leads to destruction. We have ways that we seek justice that don't follow the very heart and the character of God and, and it leads to injustice. How do I know that? Because some people are hurt in the process. Therefore, it can't be justice. God's justice ends with all being restored in him. Now, watch this. He says, go to this land because I want you to follow this law because through this law, my righteousness will be revealed. Then in verse three, he says, so he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna. And he's talking about all the stuff that had happened, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, but that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but, but lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He's telling them about how their heart ought to be to rule the way that he desires them to rule. Verse five, then he says, you should know in your heart that as a man chases his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Let me pause here for a second. When he says, as a man chases his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Why does he have them on these terms? Why, why does he make them? Why not, why not the rest of the world? Why is it only that they ought to live this way? He says, because the same way that a father chastens his son, the Lord your God chastens you. He's talking to them. He's saying, if I've called you by my name, if I represent you, if my name is on you, if, 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 if people see you and see me when they see you, you have to understand when you misrepresent me, you miss when you sin, you're misrepresenting me. So now I can't allow because of my love for you as a son, I can't allow the you that I see that, sorry, the me that I see in you to be tainted by the way that you are living right now. <laughs> He's saying, I've put my name on you, but I put my face in you. And if I've put my face in you and on you, then I cannot judge you by the same standard as I judge other people. Some people always ask this, like, you know, why does God put so much on Christians? He puts so much on us because his name is on us. That's another conversation for another day. We're held to another standard because of who we represent. Anybody understand that? So he's saying that I will chasten you. So being called by God has a blessing in it, but it has a, an, an incredible responsibility that if you're going to say, I'm a child of God, guess what? You got to look like it. And if you don't look like it, God's going to deal, deal with you a certain way. I have two sons right now. I got Ellison and Israel and Ellison's on right now. I actually told them that they need to come on and they, they need to attend, um, the reading rants from here on out. I'm requiring that of my sons. I want my sons to listen and to be exposed to this. Why? Because they're my sons. Because I love them. And because I want them to receive the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, if has anybody ever been to the mall and you see that one like crazy kid that's completely just acting ballistic and bananas and you see that crazy kid you're like somebody need to go get that kid you don't 
you don't you don't have a burden for that child. As a matter of fact, you're annoyed by that child. I, or maybe it's just me. It's just me. When there's that one kid who's acting like a just just acting acting up. I'm not talking about, you know, two year olds who are acting like two year olds and they have the terrible twos. That's that's a whole different thing. But I'm talking about a grown, you know, seven year old kid acting like a two year old. Running around, kicking, screaming, and just being belligerent. I am absolutely annoyed by belligerent children who can't act their age. And I look at them and I'm going, the first thing, the first thought that comes to my mind is somebody needs to go get that kid. But if it's my kid, if my sons act belligerent and my sons act all crazy, and if my sons are not living the way that I that I believe that they ought to live, guess what I do? I reprimand them. I reprimand them. Why? Because they're mine. They're mine. I have a calling over them. I love them and I want to see the best for them. And my name is on them too. And so with the responsibility I've been given, if my sons act that way, I don't go around going, somebody better go take care of that. I just let them live however way they want to live. What do I do? I pull them to the side and I reprimand them. Why? Because they're my sons. I find that there are people who, when they experience God's reprimanding, that they ask the Lord, well, why, 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 Lord? Why would you do this to me in this moment? Not realizing that punishment is also love. <laughs> Even the reprimanding is also love. You're not reprimanded because of, uh, for the sake of salvation. You're reprimanded because he loves you and he wants to save your soul and he wants to keep you. And because he has put his name on you, be wary when God puts his name on you. Because the moment that he puts his name on you, he calls you to a higher calling. Isn't it funny how when God puts his name on you, I always find this interesting. And maybe this is my personal experience and you guys can share. And this is your personal experience. But when God, when you finally give your life to Christ, right? And when, when God, when God puts his name on you, you ever notice that the things that you do that you know are wrong, you just get caught easier with it. Like everybody else gets away with it. A lot easier than you do. It's almost like God's looking out for you and saying, yeah, everybody else going to get away with that one, but you're not. You ever notice that when you sin, somehow you're the one who pays the price for it. <laughs> and you're wondering, well, why is it that I have to suffer for this? But all my friends, they get away with this stuff. You want to know why they got get away with it? It's because God, why you don't get away with it? It's because God has his name on you. I know my sons will eventually, oh, later on down the years, they're going to appreciate the times when they were disciplined. They're going to appreciate the times when, you know, they were corrected. They're going to appreciate it because they're going to know it's because my dad wanted me to be shaped into the person that I'm called to be. Are y'all catching that? Now, what does he say? He says, these are the commands now that shape you into becoming the people that I've called you to be. The law was not for them to follow, to go to heaven or hell. The law 
was intended to shape them and chisel them into becoming the nation that would reveal the very presence and character of God. That was the purpose of the law. It's funny how we try to follow the law just to make sure we're not in trouble with God. We try to, we try to follow the law to ensure that we you know, that God isn't mad at us. There are people who are, who are watching right now who that's the biggest question that's on your mind. Is God mad at me? Is God mad at me for disobeying him? Does, does God, does God hate me? I, I think, I feel like God hates me because I keep disobeying his rules. No, God may exercise his wrath out of love over your life simply for the sake of your soul. But God has chosen you. And the moment that he's chosen you, he's put his face on you. If God puts his face on you, then God cannot hate you. Look what it says. He says, do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest you have eaten and are full in the beautiful houses that you dwell. He's saying all these things. Don't forget to keep his commandments. Why? Because of what the Lord has taken you from. Man, there's so much here. I, I can literally preach a whole month worth of sermons just from this, this reading we've done today. But as I read this, He's shifting my motivation. And I hope as you read this, he's shifting your motivation. He's saying, do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when you have your herds and your flocks multiply, when your heart is lifted up, when all these things happen, that somehow you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. He says in verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. He's saying, don't forget my commandments and keep them because in keeping them, they will continue to remind you of where I've taken you from. <sighs> For many of us, we suffer from what I call salvation amnesia. We often forget what God has done in our lives. We forget that we are where we are simply because of him. We don't follow these commandments for salvation. Here comes the shift. We don't, we don't follow God. So God's not angry with us. We know God's not angry with us. Why? Because he says in the next chapter that it was out of his loving kindness. Look what it says in verse six. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are a stiff-necked people. He didn't say you were a stiff-necked people. 
in Deuteronomy 9 verse 6. He didn't say you were a stiff-necked people. He's saying you are a stiff-necked people, meaning they're still struggling with it. They are not righteous people in themselves. And yet God continues to bless them. Why? Because they're his children. <laughs> and now because they're his children, God continues to bless them. He disciplines them, but he blesses them. He disciplines them, but he blesses them. He disciplines them, but he blesses them because God is saying, you are my children. As much as I discipline my children, I still bless them. At no point that I discipline my sons and now my daughter, then at no point do I discipline them and disavow them. They actually cannot be disavowed by God. And what God is revealing to them is, is I've already chosen you. You are my children. There's nothing you can do. That will never be canceled. I cannot, that won't ever be negated. You will never be disavowed. Even when you go through punishment, I'm still your father and you're still my children. However, I'm still going to call you to live this way. Why then do you live this way? You don't live for the acceptance of the father. He's telling them live this way out of the acceptance of the father. Did y'all hear that? Do I need to say that again? We don't live for salvation. We live out of salvation. We don't live to be saved. We live because we are saved. We don't live to be accepted by God. We live out of the acceptance of God. We don't live so that God isn't angry with us. We live because he loves us. We don't live so that, so that, you know, God can see that we're good Christians. Oh, we fall short, but we live not forgetting where God has taken us from. And for many of us here, we have salvation amnesia. We forgot what God took us out of. And somehow, because we've forgotten what God has taken us out of, somewhere down the line, we felt like there was something we needed to do to be saved. And yet there's nothing you can do to be saved. There's nothing you can do for the blessing of God. There's nothing you can do for God's call over your life. Simply God has to just choose you. And yet he chooses you by faith. If you have faith in Jesus, you have been chosen. When we read this, we read a story of a people, even though it's not to us, ah, but it reveals to us something about the character of God. Because now God and his people Notice how they interact. These people were never good enough. And yet there was a promise over their life. Never good enough. Never good enough. And he gives them this law and they keep disobeying it. They, 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 they keep falling short. And yet God is saying, 
I've given you an atonement. So I've already taken care of the times when you will fall short. However, obey my commandments. God wants you to obey him. He wants you to serve him and to love him. Watch this. The whole purpose of the law was not to follow rules. And then I'm done, guys. The whole purpose of the law, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you? The purpose of the law was this. Second part of verse 12. To fear the Lord your God. To walk in all his ways and to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep his commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. He's giving the, he's telling them the root and the motivation to keep his commandments is your love for him. Now watch this. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God. Also the earth that is in it. The Lord delighted only in your fathers. He loved them and he chose them. And now he cho- He chooses you as, his, as their descendants after them. Watch this. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Remember, the circumcision is what set them apart. And he said, don't keep just following the rules. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. Why? Because God is God of gods. He's Lord of lords. He is the great God. He's mighty and awesome. He shows no partiality. Therefore, love the stranger. Therefore, love your neighbor. Therefore, feed the ones who are hungry. Therefore, do these things. Do them out of the love of God. How do we follow the character of God and the heart of God and the justice of God? We follow it out of the love we have for God. I'm going to give you something really practical to help you today. Remember what I said yesterday. I'm done. After this, I'm done. Remember what I said. If you were here yesterday, remember what I said. And if you ever miss a read and rant, just catch catch it on our Facebook group, The Font Everywhere on Facebook, because it's being recorded on The Font Everywhere. Um, and if you ever want to catch it in audio, we also have the Read and Rant podcast, which is um, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday that I post them. So they're, they're, they're going to be a little bit behind, but you can catch up on the Read and Rant podcast. But I want to leave you with something very practical. And hopefully this brings everything to light. Side note, Deuteronomy 10 verse 17 is a theologically challenging verse. Okay. I'm going to tell you why it's theologically challenging. Because it says, for the Lord is God, for the Lord your God is God of gods. Um, Lord of lords. The great God, mighty and awesome and shows no partiality. The word God there is Elohim. And the, the word is Elohim of Elohim. He is the Elion of Elohim. Um, I know we don't have time, time to get into all the theology behind this, but we have a, a really weird theology. Like we, we don't, we don't really understand who God is and what God is. So when we see people see the term Elohim, they think of Elohim as just God, but Elohim is literally a plural version. The word El is God. He is the El of Elohim. 
He is the El Elyon of Elohim. Uh, meaning that Elohim, the word Elohim actually doesn't mean God in the way we understand it. It's Yahweh. Yahweh is the one God. There's one God, Yahweh. And this Yahweh is among the Elohim. The Elohim are, they call them gods, but they're really spiritual. Um, they're spiritual beings. And these spiritual beings move to initiate and instigate God's agenda in the realm of the spirit. So when, it says, when Elohim says, let us make man in our image, we have this weird theology where we say that that's where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is saying, let us make man in our image. And that's, that's not biblical. Okay, that's not, there's no Bible in that. Anybody who says that, they're forcing a theology on the scripture. So, um, I'm sorry if I threw that out there. Maybe I'll do a Bible study eventually on that. So we can understand that uh, Elohim does not mean God. Okay, Yahweh is God. Elohim is not God. Elohim is simply ascribing to a being in the spiritual realm. Among the Elohim is one God who is above all the Elohim. And that's Elion. And his name is Yahweh. Um, Yahweh is above the Elohim. Okay. Um, I say that because the God that they served was Yahweh. But there were other gods. Okay. I'm going to teach this and then we'll be done. I'm sorry. Now I'm here. I might as well just teach it for one second. So they were Elohim. And among the Elohim was Elion. Elion is Yahweh or El. El Elion. Yahweh. He is the one true God. The God that is above the gods. That's why he says God of gods. He is the God of gods. Meaning there were other gods. Okay. There were other Elohim. Are y'all catching that? So when 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 God when God says let us make man in our image, when Elohim says let us make man in our image, then <laughs> he's it's literally it's not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit saying let us make man in our image. It's the Elohim that's saying let us make man in our image. Now, why am I saying that? Because they understood that. You know, we have a backwards theology. We 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 try to impose the trinity on the scriptures when the trinity should be coming out of the scriptures we try to impose it on every part of the scripture rather than understanding that the trinity the, the, the trinity even our trinitarian understanding of scripture is not very very uh, it's not very robust but that's another conversation for another day i only say this to say that is there were other gods okay and and so we have to go back to ancient israel and ancient humans served gods now when people say they served idols that's such a western way of thinking i'm gonna explain to you what i mean by that dang it i don't have a lot of time okay i'm gonna try to sneak this in it's a western way of thinking and let me say why it's a western way of thinking people actually think that the pagans worshipped statues that tells you how little you know about ancient culture they did not worship statues, okay? No, you know, intelligent human being worships a statue that has been built and carved out. They, they don't just take a statue and say, I'm going to worship this statue, okay? You don't worship a statue. 
Okay, no one does that. Okay, and these are intelligent people. They're not worshiping the statue. What they're worshiping when they build the actual idol itself, the word idol actually is the word salem. Okay, so when they're worshiping idols, they're not worshiping the statue. They're worshiping that salem that is in the statue. They pointed to. So whenever they had, the, they would build the statues, and then they would have ceremonies in which the gods would embody the statues. So they worshipped what they believed that the statue embodied, not the statue itself. They have a very deep. Okay, the um um um, uh, the, the ancient people had a very deep understanding and a very deep awareness of the realm of the spirit, and so. They would do seances and performances to 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 attribute a spirit to a statue. So it wasn't the statue, but rather the spirit that embodied it. They were aware, and these gods were active. Okay, so they didn't worship because there was there were spiritual results that came from the worship of these gods. Okay, um, why am I saying that? I'm saying that because these gods were not, were below God, Yahweh, okay? Yahweh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, were below God. We have a very small perspective of God. And he's saying that the Lord, your God, the Lord, your God is the God of gods. Yes, these gods were created, by, Eli, by Yahweh to initiate Yahweh's agenda in the realm of the spirit. And some of those gods are demons. Okay? Some of the Elohim are demons. Um, and some of the Elohim are angels. Some of the Elohim are the elders. Some of the Elohim. So, so all, all this is to say that among God, there's a God of gods who has authority over all the gods because he created the gods. Satan was an Elohim, correct? Um, and then you have the Lord of Lords, which speaks to his authority. Okay? Which speaks to his authority. Now, I, I'm only saying this because I want you to see something here. They would fall into the temptation to believe in the things that the other gods produced and the things that the other gods would accomplish and in the end worship the creation rather than worshiping the creator. And he's telling them here, do not fall into the temptation of worshiping the creation, but worship the creator, Yahweh. For the Lord, your God is God of gods. He's Lord of Lords. He is the great God, Elion, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bride, meaning there's nothing next to him. He administers, and notice what this God does. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. This is how Yahweh rules. This is how power is exercised through service, through loving the least of these, through loving the ones who are rejected, through loving the stranger. Therefore, love the stranger for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. That's another study for another day.
But he's saying be motivated because your God is the God of gods. And the government that he wants to institute through you requires you to serve no other God. So today, family, are you falling into the temptation of serving other gods? Are you falling into the temptation of worshiping the idols of our culture? Are you falling into the temptation of seeking after and chasing after the things that God has created rather than seeking God himself? Do you seek after Yahweh? You see, God's not going to share glory with anyone. Christ will not share glory with anyone. He gets all the glory. All the glory belongs to him. So here's the practical solution to all of this family. Is Remember we said this yesterday. That the law was never even meant to have been written if they would have simply chosen to hear the voice of God. Moses revealed to them, remember in our reading yesterday, that they that the law was written simply because they chose not to hear the voice of God. They asked for Moses to represent, represent them out of their fear for the voice of God. And because of their fear for the voice of God, they said, Moses, you go and find out what God wants from us and you come and tell us what God has to say. And as a result of that, we have the law. But what God is saying here is that what fulfills the law is love. It's when you love the Lord your God with all of your heart. I know I've been ranting. I know I'm all over the place. And I'm just sharing whatever thoughts come to my mind. But I want to make sure we leave with what I believe the Lord is really convicting me of with the reading today. Do I love the Lord with all of my heart? Did you hear that? Do I love the Lord with all of my heart? Because if I love him, then I will keep his commandment. Remember what they asked Jesus. They asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? I know this is reminding you of what Jesus even says. Remember, all scripture testifies of Christ. At the end of the day, it's Christ. What did Jesus say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He, he, and he said, the second is like an unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's pointing to Deuteronomy. He's saying, on that hangs all the law and the prophets. He's saying, that you have the law and yet you have not been able to fulfill it. You have the law, but you have not been able to obey it. Why? Because you don't love the Lord with all of your heart. All of your heart. Here's a practical thing that I'm going to leave you with. If you leave this around with anything, examine your heart and ask yourself, do you love the Lord with all of your heart? Not some. Do you love the Lord with 
all of your heart? Or is he kind of like somebody you love and you love other things? Watch this. You can't love, really love the Lord and share it with anything else. Does he take precedence in your life? Is he the priority in your life? I promise you this. The moment you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, it informs how you fulfill the law. Because it's through Christ that we fulfill the law. We're not justified. We cannot fulfill the law on our own. It's actually the love of self that's brought us here. It's the partial love of God. If there's anything that's scary, scarier is when you partially love God with some of your heart. So the challenge today is, is, and we're going to pray this as we close. Lord, teach us to love you with all of our hearts. He wants it all. Lord, speak to us today, Lord, as we close. I pray, Lord, that we would learn to love you with all of our hearts. Lord, often we want to lean on our understanding, and, and yet we are to or trust in you and to love you in totality. Father, we read the story of your people, these chosen people, Lord, who are revealing your grand plan your redemptive plan for all of humanity, Lord, revealing how your justice would be initiated and executed on earth. And yet we, we see this and we, we're convicted even as we read it, Lord, about whether or not we love you in the way that we ought to. Father, we know we're free from these laws and that we need not follow these laws, that you have already accomplished it by your sacrifice on the cross. We know that, Lord, we're not confined or subject to them and yet but we are convicted, Lord, that we're under one thing, and it's the commandment that you gave us to love you and to love but all your people. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to love as you love. Teach us, Lord, to, to love sacrificially. Teach us, Lord, to be a voice to the voiceless. Teach us, Lord, to be, be a father to the fatherless. Teach us Lord, to express, Lord, your very heart to the world that you have entrusted with us and pray that you would bless each and every person who hears this today, Lord. Let's be convicted, Lord, to love you with all of our heart. And I say that in your name we pray. Amen. I'm praying for you. There's some people here, it's hard to love a God that you have not yet experienced. If that's you, I want to pray for you. That you would experience him. I pray for everyone who's in this chat right now. But all 300 of you, I pray for those among you who have yet to experience the embrace of God. I pray, Lord, that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ would be revealed in their heart. I pray, Lord, that they would believe in you and to trust in you and to rely upon you. Father, I pray right now, Lord, for your spirit to pour out on them. Lord, that they would see you, that they would know you. Mm. 
pray for those right now who are in attendance, who they're in a crisis of faith. I pray that now they wouldn't believe in an idea, but that they would finally encounter a person. Father, shower them with your love. Overwhelm them with your love. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would overwhelm them with your love. I pray, Lord, that you would heal them from all the hurt and the brokenness that they've experienced from anything that was a misrepresentation of you. I pray, Lord, that you would release them from religious thinking. Mm, I pray that you would release them of that. Pour out your spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way right now. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Lead them right now, Father. I I pray right now, Lord, that they would encounter you. There are those who are listening right now with their word. I pray that they would encounter you. Pour out your spirit right now. I'm believing even in this moment. I declare this and I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak prophetically into this. I believe in this moment there's someone right now who is beginning to, to, to see the face of God. I'm, I'm believing in right now there's someone who's becoming overwhelmed by the presence of God, by the embrace of God. I'm, I'm believing that right now. I see it right now. That there's some people right now who are encountering God is softening your heart right now. You're tired of ideas. You're tired of, of, of theologies and mentalities. You're tired of people just giving you all these ideas. No, we're not here for that. We're here for an encounter with Jesus Christ. Hmm. I pray right now, Lord, that you would speak over them. I pray that you would embrace them. I pray that you would cover them right now. I pray, Lord, that your warm embrace will be revealed. I, be, I declare that right now. Father, I thank you for Ramona right now. Ramona, the Lord is healing you from a lot of pain that you've experienced from those who had attributed his name and misappropriated his name. I'm praying that the Lord would soften your heart right now. There's been a lot of pain in your life. And the pain has led to anger. It's led to disgust. And yet there's still a, 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 a pain that's inside of you knowing that there's more for you. May you receive the encounter of the Holy Spirit right now. May you receive the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, have your way right now. Lord, we come against the distraction of the enemy right now. We come against, Lord, anything that's prohibiting. Uh, there's some people right now who are receiving him. Receive him. Receive him right now. Mm. The Lord is healing a heart right now. The Lord is restoring somebody right now. He's restoring you. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He's restoring you right now. He's saying, cancel anything anyone has ever said about who I am. Come and see me and encounter me. God wants to inform your experience. He doesn't want to inform your mind. Father, I pray right now. Uh, Sib, I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for Sib right now. 
But Sib is dealing with disappointment, dealing with uh, broken dreams, broken promises. I pray, Lord, right now that you would visit Sib right now. Hmm. Oh, I pray for Sib right now. I pray for your finances, Sib. The Lord is saying that he will provide for you. You're in a place of financial brokenness. The people that you trusted and trusted with your finances squandered it. And the Lord is saying that he is your provider. In this season, you will not trust. You will not trust in man, but you will rely upon me. The zombie, I want to pray for your wife, brother. I want to pray for your wife. Father, I pray right now for the zombie's uh, wife. Lord, I pray for him right now, Lord. Mm. Brother, the Lord sees your heart. The Lord sees your heart. He sees your frustration. He says you are his son. Uh, my brother, I, I don't know why, but I feel the Lord, uh, the Lord is leading me to pray for you, brother. So I'm going to pray for you, okay? Um, I, I know I'm over time, but I just feel the Spirit of the Lord leading me here. So I'm just going to stay here uh, and, and pray for a few of you. Uh, but the zombie, I, I want to pray for you. And the reason why is because um, there's a profound feeling of, uh, of uh, not disappointment, but falling short. Um, there's a lot of guilt and shame that you are confronting in this season. Um, and I want to pray for you because out of that, the Lord wants to birth healing in your marriage and he wants to birth healing in your wife. Um, you have had a very recent encounter with God and with the Holy Spirit. The Lord wants me to say that to you so that you know that the Lord is confirming this moment that we have right now. Um, and what the Lord is speaking into you, brother, is, is that you are not a failure. Um, you have not failed him. Um, you have a deep sense of failing your family. Um, your, not not your immediate family, but even those in your family that you are a part of uh, outside of your marriage. And the Lord is saying that he he accepts you. He loves you. Um, you've been dealing with a lot of shame and condemnation. He's saying that that is what's been informing you through the past few years. But the Lord wants to release you of that because he calls you his son. The Lord calls you his son. Uh, he loves you very much. Uh, your wife is going through a season of sleeplessness and anxiety, and the Lord wants to bring healing to her as well. It's going to require her to depend on him, on, on him entirely, but you are going to be an image of that. The Lord gives you one assignment, my brother, and in that assignment, you're going to begin to see the Holy Spirit beginning, beginning to move through your wife. You cannot save your wife, so the time is that you need to love your wife. The Lord is speaking, and he's saying, um, this is not a season to put pressure on your wife to try to push your wife into anything. Your wife is going to have her own personal encounter with him. He wants you to love her unconditionally. He wants you to love her, love her and care for her unconditionally. Ah, you've been hurt by your wife, my brother. Hmm. Ah, you've been hurt by your wife, brother. Um, I just pray for healing over you and for your wife. There's this deep sense of shame and, 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 uh, uh, it's, it's, it's as if you, you feel that this is all on you. This was your fault. You created this. Um, and it's now creating this angst and a lot of pain in your marriage, a lot of brokenness in your marriage. So this is the assignment for you, brother. The Lord is asking you to uh, 
The Lord is asking you to devote time aside for prayer in your home. He wants you to pray at the bed of, uh, at at the bottom of your bed. He wants you to be an example to your wife of how you are His son. He wants to He wants to do a work in you as He does a work in your wife. The Lord is already doing something behind the scenes. So I believe in it, and I can't wait to hear the story of your wife being filled with the Holy Spirit. But the Lord wants to fill you with His Spirit first, my brother. I love you. Love you, brother. God bless you. Um, I'm, I'm going to pray for maybe two or three more people. I just feel that the Lord is leading me in this time. There's, uh, there's someone who wants to be atheist. <clears throat> and um, you, you want to be atheist, but you can't, you can't unexplain the experience that you had uh, at the age of 14. Um, you had a, a profound encounter and you've been looking for reasons or for ways to explain it away, but you can't explain it away. And it's leading to a certain level of unrest and anxiety in you. Um, that experience is the Holy Spirit and you know that it is and you are wrestling with it because the reason why you are uh, moving in in this mindset right now is because uh, you've been uh, emotionally abused and mentally and spiritually and physically abused by someone who attributed themselves as a child of God or as a person of God. You've attached God to it. And so you have a difficulty right now of reconciling how a person of God or a person who uses God's name can inflict so much pain and so much hurt in you. It's led to years of trauma. I see many years of uh, of therapy. And the way that you can justify and you believe that your healing is going to come through your atheism, your atheism won't heal you, heal you. You're actually looking for connection and you're looking for relationship. The Lord is also showing me that you've been exploring Buddhism, um, that you've been exploring Buddhism because, again, what you're seeking for is peace. And yet the Lord is saying in him, you can find peace. There's every, every part of you wants to go back to that place, but you are afraid. And so I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for visitation again. I pray, Lord God, that you would attune um, his heart right now, Lord, to uh, trusting in you and to relying upon you. I pray, Lord, that you would create a safe place. Um, I'm hearing safe places, that the Lord uh, wants you to uh, experience a safe place. So, Father, be a safe place right now. Be a safe place to this brother right now who is struggling, struggling with faith in this moment, Father, that is in a crisis of faith. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, sweetie, the Lord wants to heal your heart. Um, the Lord wants to heal your heart. Father, I ask right now, Lord, that you would heal sweetie's heart. I pray right now, Lord, that you would uh, bring restoration to her. Um, sweetie is in a season of heartbreak. The Lord has shown me that you're in a season of heartbreak, a season of disappointment. Um, you've invested a great amount of time into people, uh, into a person, and now you're being rejected by people and that person. And what the Lord wants to say is that he loves you. He embraces you. Uh, he wants you to know that he truly, deeply cares for you. Uh, the problem is, is that you have made them gods over your life and the Lord will not receive any other distraction. The Lord wants to be glorified through your relationships, but not to be glorified in, sorry, in and through your relationships, but not to find glory in the relationship itself. And so the Lord wants to heal you. Um, he's saying that he wants to turn it around, but the Lord wants to heal you from those thoughts. There have been thoughts of destructiveness, thoughts of doubt, thoughts of um Wow. Uh, but the Lord also wants to impart on you thoughts of renewal. He wants you to know that he is with you. Uh, he wants you to know that he loves you and that he embraces you. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for that. 
uh, behind closed doors. I want to pray for you real quick. Lord, I pray for behind closed doors right now. Uh, I pray for, I pray for her. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, release healing in her mind, Lord God. I pray for her in her seasons of anxiety and her bouts of depression, Lord. I come against that right now in the name of Jesus. I declare healing right now in the name of Jesus. I declare healing over trauma right now in the name of Jesus. I declare healing over pain right now in the name of Jesus. I see 19 behind closed doors. Uh, the Lord is speaking to me that uh, I believe that was probably the starting point of your anxiety in your depression. At 19, you lost something very profound in your life and you have yet to have been able to pass through that or pass from that. So I'm going to pray that the Lord would give you clarity in this season as you are looking into um, seeking therapy. Uh, the Lord wants you to go there. There's some uh, emotions and some thoughts and some things that have prohibited you from truly finding joy. Uh, but the Lord wants to bring joy back to you. Lord, we know that in your presence is fullness of joy. So I pray in this moment, Lord, that you would confirm this word by imparting your presence upon behind closed doors. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in her heart. I thank you for what you're doing in her soul in this moment. I thank you, Lord, that you're giving her encouragement and that you're renewing in her the joy of salvation, Father, bless her right now. Bless her in the name of Jesus. There was somebody here who was asking for me to pray for, uh, oh, Jesus. Um, there was somebody here. I'm losing it now. Somebody who asked me to pray for their son and their fiance. Their son and their fiance, please. Uh, hmm. Praise God. Uh, Alyssa, the Lord is just beginning with you. Um, isn't it amazing when you experience the, the the presence of God? It's amazing when the Spirit comes upon you. Um, you experience the fullness of His love. Um, the biggest challenge that you have right now is, is that you're overwhelmed, Alyssa, by uh, the spirit of uh, people pleasing. Um, you have a tendency to kind of draw away from what you know is naturally what you're called to and what you're called to do and who you're called to be. And sometimes you quench and, and you suffocate elements of who you are because you're so overwhelmingly consumed uh, by how people, especially those you love and those who are close to you, will feel about you. But the Lord is saying that he's releasing you from that. Um, he's teaching you to just be unapologetically, just to give of yourself unapologetically and in totality to him. So God bless you. Um, I'm truly, I'm truly uh, excited about what God's about to do with you next because you're about to experience him in a very honest way. God wants to have a very authentic relationship with you. Listen, forget them, okay? Alyssa, forget them, <laughs> all right? Forget them, okay? Um, they're not going to understand it. They won't get it. You are seen as the crazy one. You've always felt like you were an outsider, even as often as it is. Um, that you've been looking for acceptance. It's hard for you to find acceptance. You find a lot of people around you. Ah, you're popular. Yes, you're popular, but yet you feel distant. You're popular, but you never feel really connected to anyone. And part of it is because there's a peculiarity in you. So just accept that, embrace that peculiarity because the Lord wants to do something incredible through you. There's some people around you right now who, um, uh, wow, um, there's some people you're afraid to lose in this season. You're afraid to lose in this season. Um, the Lord is saying that there's some people you will lose in this season. But when they when they come back, you're going to be the one to minister to them. 
So right now, dwell in the presence of God, Alyssa. Uh, dwell in the presence of God. Uh, man, I'm 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 out of time. What time is it? It's nine forty-four. Um, I'm gonna. I would love to stay here because there's a uh, there's some healing virtue. Um, there's some healing virtue here right now, um, and I want to pray into that and speak into that. Um, Jazzy, I'm going to pray for your business right now. Father, I ask that you would be with Jazzy right now. I pray for her endeavors, Lord, that you would um, bring clarity, bring vision, bring insight. Father, I pray right now, Lord, mm, I pray over the spirit of discouragement. Um, Actually, you're asking to pray for your business, but the Lord is leading me to pray for your heart. You've gone through a series of a season of of profound discouragement, um, profound discouragement. And you know that there's going to be a changing of uh, approach. Uh, he's changing your business model. You're in a season where your business model is changing. Um, and, and so that can be hard because you're going to have to let go of things and you're going to have to let go of people and you're going to have to let go of relationships. Uh, but the Lord has to address your heart first because he's going to guide you and lead you into how you will do it moving forward. Your business is not failing. Um, it's rather a constriction in your perspective. God wants to change your perspective, but you're going to have to let go of how things have always been done. Uh, the Lord wants to introduce new people into your life. He wants to introduce new people into your endeavors. He wants to introduce new people into your business. Uh, wow. Um, okay. Oh man, I wish, I wish I, I wish I had the time. Um, I wish I had the time Man, I want to keep going. Uh, I pray, I pray right now, Lord, for those who are here, um, for those who are uh, attending in this moment, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would receive a word from you. I pray, Lord, that you would give them breakthrough. I pray, Lord, that you would give them healing. Lord, I believe you're doing something right now, Father. I, I, I just believe, Lord, that you're doing something right now in your people. And I just pray, Lord, that you would heal, that you would restore. Uh, for the young lady, Lord God, who had prayed for her son and her fiancé, Lord, as I close right now, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would be with them, Lord, that you would give them clarity along the way. Provide resource for them, Lord God. Provide resource as they step into this new season, Lord. I see them, um, Lord, right now still trying to determine uh, where they will live. And and so there's some decisions that need to be made. So, Father, I ask right now, Lord, that you would uh, be with them, Lord. Give them clarity. Um, do they move to the Midwest? That's what I'm hearing. Um, either 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 the Midwest or, or or the West. And I know that they've been measuring and weighing all the benefits and the uh, the, the the benefits and the costs of those decisions. But I pray, Lord, that they would not be led. Uh, by simply their understanding, but that they be led by your spirit, Father. I pray that you would give them clarity, and that you would open opportunities for that, Lord God. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen and amen.